And just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Lake Kick Extra Podcast. It's Tuesday morning. It's November 2nd, the year of our Lord 2021. Stats and info tells me that that does indeed mean this is the first Lake Kick Extra Podcast of the new month. So welcome in. Do whatever you need to do. Participate in whatever superstition you need to. I'm not superstitious, just a little stitious. And let's do this mailbag this morning. Is there anything to talk about out there? Well, I don't know. It really depends on if you have access to the internet and a working television. If you do, you know that... We've had a lot going on. Even in the last 24 hours, we have had a lot going on, up to and including primates. So, yes, all that's been going on. Remember what this is. What this is is a mailbag. You can submit questions at Late Kick Josh, Twitter, Instagram. I highly encourage you follow there, even if you don't have a question, because of things like we saw Saturday. And I got a lot to tell you about Saturday, about our trip up to East Lansing. Those of you following on Instagram, you saw that loaded Instagram story just crazy, man. I mean, I'd never been up there before. Crazy atmosphere. I'm going to tell you about all that. Also, this morning, we are using our backup microphone. And I do not know what kind of quality we're going to get. Last time we used this particular microphone, we had a bunch of skips and it would... And we're not fans of that. Now, that wasn't it. That was my tongue. But you could very well hear something like that or like seconds or two of audio dropped. We just got to roll with it because the other night on Late Kick Live when we had to use the backup microphone there... We had to take the cord that I normally use for this one and use it in studio. And, of course, I forgot it at the studio, so now I'm talking into the backup. Listen, the audio quality that comes out of this thing, I'm told, is a little bit better. The problem is the skipping. And so the skipping circumvents the audio quality being better. You get the point. So let's dive into this morning's mailbag. I mean, so so many of you wanted to know about what went down last night between, well, a few different entities. We, of course, have... You know what? Let me just lay the story out for you. Okay, what if I told you? What if I told you? ESPN 30 for 30 intro. And this, no doubt, has enough meat on the bone to be a 30 for 30 one day. What if I told you? Everything that's going to come out of my mouth is real, by the way. What if I told you that there was a special teams coach named Jeff Banks who went to Alabama, but then when Sark left for Texas, he went with Sark. He also, in the process, left his wife married or at least got with a stripper we do not know if they're married or not but he is with a stripper she is famous in her own right her name is pole assassin again i want to emphasize all of this is reality and so jeff banks and pole assassin are hanging out there in austin and they decide like any stripper and football coach would do to have trick-or-treaters over and they do Here's where the story gets really weird pole assassin has a monkey that is also trained to perform with her and this is where it gets really really weird they have trick-or-treaters over, and Pole Assassin's monkey just goes after one of the kids and apparently bit it. And then there are varying degrees of stories about how deep the wound was and how long it took to pry the monkey's jaws off the kid. But that would make a great story if that's where it ended. It's not, friends. That's why I'm leading the pod with it. And so then Pole Assassin, once the story goes public last night on the only platform fit for such a story, Twitter.com, Pole Assassin goes on the offensive. And first she said it didn't happen. And then Pole Assassin says, essentially she threw the kid under the bus, you know, bloody stump of a hand and all. She throws the kid under the bus and says, well, the kid was trespassing. Shame on that kid, by the way, trespassing. You ought to know better at 10 or 11 years old on Halloween. And so the, the Pole Assassin's emotional support monkey was essentially built up to be a villain, but then she made it a victim And the monkey has not commented on this at all yet, nor has the kid, nor has the kid's parents. Then Pole Assassin has BS called on her, and she's not going to stand for that, or dance for it for that matter. So then she takes her cell phone, her eye pole, if you will, 
and she starts recording herself walking through her backyard. Again, all this happened last night, folks. She's re- recording herself walking through her backyard, and she walks up to a gate. And I kid you not, on this gate is a sign that says, do not enter, emotional support monkey, blah, blah, blah. And it's on the fence in tie wraps. And it looks pretty freshly painted. I cannot vouch for the authenticity and how long that sign had been there. But she posted a video of her walking up to this gate that had do not enter written on it. And the caption said, proof, as if that was vindication. She was in a court of law and she said, look, here's a gate that has a do not enter sign on it that I drew. It's not one that you bought from Walmart, guys. It was hand drawn, do not enter. Some of the letters were lowercase, some of the letters were capitalized. I'm not gonna get into grammatical inaccuracies here. You do you, pole assassin, do pole assassin, monkey do monkey, monkey bite kid, whomst amongst us hasn't been there. So anyway, then a lot of people start piling on as you tend to do when a stripper starts to try and vindicate her rabid monkey biting a trick-or-treater at the special teams coordinator's house because there was a do not enter sign that was hand-drawn. Again, whomst amongst us. So then she starts deleting, but the problem is it's already been captioned and captured and everything in between and everyone spread it all over the place. So now we wake up this morning, again on Tuesday, November 2nd, the year of our Lord 2021, and we're no closer to finding the solution and we're no closer to getting the real story. So that's what happened last night. What were my thoughts on this? Well, my thoughts were this, it follows. That's it, the signs, those were my thoughts. That was it. Actually, I use a GIF, very popular GIF in my household at least, of the monkey with its jaw wide open, which was the actual opposite of the jaw of the monkey in question here. The monkey just looks around in shock with the jaw wide open. That was my reaction last night. But again, I thought to myself, these poor people who only watch the NFL never get anything like this. The NFL is such a sterile environment. Everything is made to be equal. Everything is so rigid. The taunting penalties are a joke in the NFL, by the way. But you never get stripper monkeys going after trick-or-treaters in the NFL. And that's one of my biggest problems with pro football. College football, anything can happen. We woke up yesterday morning. I'm going to talk about Dan Mullen in the podcast. We woke up yesterday morning, and Dan Mullen was under fire because he essentially tried to make recruiting seasonal, and it was kind of taken out of context, blah, blah, blah. The problem was what he said kind of coincides with how he's acted down there. And we thought that Dan Mullen was going to be topic du jour for about the next 48 to 72 hours and then closed things to the media. And so I was sure Dan Mullen was about to get drugged for about two or three days. Nope. Dan Mullen has a stripper's monkey in Austin, Texas, to thank for getting him off the hook, at least for the time being. And this is such a wonderful world. This is the world we live in. When I tell you this is a dream job, that's what makes it a dream job. So that was last night. And I don't know where we're going to go with that today. And I don't know if we're going to be talking about it on Late Kick Live tonight. I would love to be able to get over to the Nashville Zoo today. Because I don't know if you can rent monkeys. But if you could, just for one night, I don't even care if the trainer comes with it. You mark my words. I'd have a monkey on that show. I would get a monkey on that show tonight. And I would put a microphone on that monkey. Maybe it wants to talk. Maybe it doesn't. I'd love to have Pole Assassin on the show. An open invitation. And I'm not sure if she listens or not. An open invitation. Pole Assassin, from me to you, with all of us listening, you are invited on Late Kick Live tonight. I would love to hear your side of the story. Again, I'd love to hear the monkey side of the story. I'd really love to hear the trick-or-treater side of the story. I don't know what the rules at CBS are. It's interviewing kids. 
But if the parents want to come on, I'm open to it. We just want the full story. That's all we want. Okay, so now that that's out of the way, college football. we got a lot of it to talk about. A lot of you have been asking me about Dan Muller and what I think is happening at Florida. And I'm going to talk about this more tonight on Late Kick Live, but let's just dive in. So I had like 50, 50 to 75 questions, I would guess, about this. Dan Mullen yesterday, if you did not catch it, coming off the loss, obviously, to Georgia. Dan Mullen got asked about recruiting. It was a very innocent question. It wasn't some baited question. It wasn't a gotcha. He was asked, essentially, do you think there need to be some changes, maybe, in the way that you recruit here. And Dan Mullen didn't even let the guy hardly get the question out of his mouth before he said, uh, this is the season. We'll talk about recruiting during recruiting season. Now, that's the full context. I'm not going to play you the clip. I don't even have it right now. But that was the context. I did not misrepresent that at all. That's the context. And so what do you think about that? Because I'm telling you what I think is, well, my first reaction was, I don't ever like any coach at a major Power 5 program using the phrase recruiting season. And I don't even care if that's in or out of context. There is no recruiting season. And you could not have set this up any better. Talk about writing college football like it's a soap opera. Could you have set that up any better or worse, depending on your vantage point? I mean, Dan Mullen is coming off a loss to Georgia in which he is out-athleted. And that's not the first time that happened to Florida. Uh, they've won games where their roster wasn't as good as Georgia's. But this year, they get outplayed. They get out-athleted. You know the story. You saw the game Saturday just like I did. And after that game... Kirby Smart goes on this rant of his own, which I played on Sunday night's show, in which he talks about the fact that I'm not such a coach. No one's a great coach if they don't have the great players. If they're a great coach without great players, you'll never know it because they'll probably still lose four or five games. The best coaches out there are the best coaches because they have the best players. And so he's sitting there talking about recruiting being 24-7, 365. And then Dan Mullen's telling you the following Monday, eh, we'll talk about recruiting and recruiting season. We're not worried about that right now. Now, that's not the exact context of quote, but it's still the same energy. Here's the problem with it. I had someone call me and say, don't you think that they're just taking liberties and taking shots on him right now? I said, yes, absolutely they are. So am I. The difference is it's not unwarranted. That's the whole takeaway here, guys. It would be one thing if Nick Saban were to play LSU this Saturday. And let's say LSU pulled off a huge upset win as a four-touchdown underdog. And someone asked Nick Saban in the postgame about recruiting, and Nick Saban said, we'll talk about recruiting during the recruiting season. If that happened, it would be totally innocent, it would be left alone, and we'd move on. If he said the exact words that Dan Mullen said, we would leave it alone. What does that mean? Does that mean we're treating Dan Mullen unfairly? No. It would mean that the quote from Nick Saban was so obviously in a certain context that did not match up with his track record that it wouldn't make any sense to run with it. Dan Mullen, if just for the sake of argument, we take it in any context we want, the quote that came out of his mouth, if we align it with his track record and Florida's results in recruiting, it matches Florida has been in fear as a recruiting program, and really, they've been propped up and made to look a little bit better than they have been, because to be honest with you guys, they've taken some risks on some kids, up to and including the transfer portal, to get a little bump in their rankings. Well, that had given them a bump in their rankings. I'm not saying that was their motivation, but they've taken some kids that were questionable either academically or their health status was questionable, and they've taken them. 
and it's bumped their ranking a little bit higher than it would have been otherwise. Still not top five, but a little bit higher, and they haven't panned out. So if you shave the fat off of these classes and you look at the players that they truly beat other elite competition for, they're not a top 15 recruiter. They float on the periphery, maybe, of top 15 status if you adjust for the margins I'm talking about. That's the problem people have and had with Dan Mullen. That's the problem I have with Dan Mullen. It's not that he said something in a press conference. I don't care about that. It's that for the sake of argument, if I contextualize that the right or wrong way, regardless of how I contextualize it, in the worst context, it matches his track record. And that's the problem. So that's part A. Part B, a lot of you were asking, what do I think is going to happen? Now, if you listen to this show, you know I've spoken about this about four or five times already this year. I'm not ready to change my tune yet. I just don't like emotional, visceral reaction in the middle of a scene when you're kind of in the heat of battle. But I'm telling you, it's happened before where we've seen a coach, for whatever reason, sometimes it's on-field, sometimes it's off-field, have things go so sideways and things get so sour so quickly that it seems like in the span of a week or two, you go from saying, oh, he's not going to get fired to, I don't see the other way. I don't see how they keep him around. I don't see how he stays around. And I'm not saying that we're on the total end of either of that spectrum, but I think we are shifting. I think we are moving. I don't know at what speed, but I think we're moving towards the side where Dan Mullen's not there next year. Again, I don't think we are there, but I'm saying I've, I think we're a heck of a lot closer to that than I ever imagined we would be off of nothing more than a loss to Georgia. And I say that, but I still know about the buyout there, and I still know that it's hard to find a replacement coach. But we were on an editorial meeting yesterday, and we were talking about what history is in the state of Florida. And normally, if two of them are down, one of them's been up. And if you think about where Miami and Florida State's been, I want to say it was Bud who was talking about this yesterday. I mean, it was a bunch of people. I think Bud, though, he said, you know, if you think about this, you think about in what one program at least has been, you've had situations where it was either Bowden at one point or Urban Meyer at one point where they have completely feasted on that opportunity. Dan Mullen, if you really think about it, this is the best shot he'll ever have. He's right smack dab in the middle of the best shot he'll ever have. Miami's been down. They've been bad. Florida State's been down. They've been bad. Florida has had their golden opportunity. It's never going to be, relatively speaking, easier for Florida in recruiting than it has been. So what I'm saying is you've, you've likely seen the best of Dan Mullen at Florida. That would be my fear if I were a Florida Gator fan. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, and, and I don't know how a move would have to be precipitated is what I'm saying. This does not seem like a you're fired, get out of here situation. I just I don't feel that at the moment. Uh, however... We have had situations before where there truly were mutual partings of ways. I don't know if you give up the Florida job. I don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of I don't know here. But, yeah, I feel, I feel like that situation is just so much more sour than it was even this time last week, and I don't know what the answer is. I'll tell you where I was. I was in Jacksonville this week. I normally at that game, but I was in East Lansing, Michigan, by way of Detroit. And I'd never been up there, never even been to the state of Michigan before. Certainly had never been to Michigan State, never seen Michigan versus Michigan State. Boy, what a time. I encourage you guys. I know it's expensive. I know not everyone gets to just carry a corporate card around with them. I know because I lived that life for a very, very, very long time. I couldn't even afford to go to games in my backyard, much less travel. Um, let me just tell you, 
if you ever get in a situation where you can even remotely afford it, I would recommend doing like I do. Just wear two or three shirts a year and take the money you would have spent on wardrobe and buy airfare and tickets and hotel and rental car and go to some of these games. These are such incredible environments. East Lansing, Michigan was on fire this weekend. Not just the fall foliage, not just the trees, but the energy in and around not only the stadium, but the city and the state. It was incredible. I mean, when I got in there to Detroit Friday night, I go into rent, uh, the rental car, and it's like that in there. There was all kinds of Michigan State paraphernalia posters all over the place, and uh, you could feel it. You could feel it when you walk in there, kind of like you feel it if you're in the state of Alabama in late November when they're getting ready for the Iron Bowl. I mean, I grew up around that, so I know all about that. But anyway, I always promise to tell you guys some stories that I cannot share on the Sunday night show. So let me tell you, I teased this the other night. I'm going to tell you about it. A lot of you who fly frequently, you've had varying degrees of experience with TSA. That's the security there when you're going through and you got to basically pull a pole assassin on your own and you got to shut down and you got to get searched. And sometimes they do the old inner thigh search. I start to have fun with it. When they ask me, hey, can I search your inner thigh? I go, absolutely you can. And then they get a little hesitant. And at that point, you're playing mind games, psychologically with TSA. And if you're in TSA's head, you've already won the battle. They're going to pat you down, and they're going to say, go on. So that's not what happened. That's just an example in travels past. What happened this last week? I go up there on Friday. Trips fine. It's pouring rain. Landed in Detroit in the pouring down rain at night. I've never been to Detroit, much less in the rain at night, so I didn't exactly get to see a lot of the city. Would have loved to have gone and seen the Joe Lewis Arena. Didn't have time to. Anyway, so I drive over, stayed in Lansing. Everything was great in the morning. Now, a lot of you hate the noon kickoff. You guys hate it. I love it. I love it because it lets me get out that night. So I go to the game, and we're doing live hits pregame, and then we get into the game. And I cannot emphasize enough how quickly the tenor shifted in the media apparatus, both in the press box and on the field. Because what happens is you have, you have a lot of folks who are trying to get a head start on their work. And so when Michigan's up 30 to 14, a lot of folks are getting a head start on their work. I remember this vividly happening to me at the 2017 national title game. When Georgia led Alabama at the half, we started to get a head start on preparing the production elements for our post-game live shot. I was in local news at the time to talk about Georgia winning their first title since 1980 because it looked for all the world like that was going to happen. So you know the whole Tua comes in and you know the rest of that deal. Well, this deal this last Saturday is still fresh in your mind. No one knew what was about to happen. Michigan State had seemingly an insurmountable task in front of them. They pull it off. And when you see that stuff happening, it only happens a few times in your life, even if you get to go to games every weekend. You're only blessed and fortunate enough to see incidents like that a few times. Yeah, let's Maybe one time a year, maybe two times a year, but just a handful of times in your career you get to see it. But when it's happening in real time, time stands still. You have no concept of it. That game lasted over four hours the other day, and I had no concept. I, I could not have told you within an hour window what time it was when the game was over. So when that's happening, you realize in real time something special is happening. And afterwards, the post game, it's insane. And I was down the tunnel with about a minute to go once Michigan State had wrapped it up, and they were bringing Paul Bunyan. They were bringing the trophy through the tunnel. It was crazy how much security there is around that guy, by the way. And so they go on the field, and you saw some of the footage. I ran around on the field, just 
absolute insanity. It's like a sensory overload. There are so many things you're feeling at one time. And it's kind of like a sensory overload. It's kind of like riding a roller coaster, but the different feel. It's not the feel in your stomach. But take the way you feel in your stomach when you're on a roller coaster. And if you were to disperse that emotion or that sudden feel around the rest of your senses, that's what it's like on those fields post-game. I don't know how else to explain it. That's the best. That's the closest I can come. Uh, it's amazing, though. There's no place else on earth that would make you feel exactly like you feel when you've just seen a big win and you're in the home stadium and all that's happening. So anyway, get done. CBS makes the call. We normally don't do it this way, but Dennis Dodd and I go live right there on HQ on the field. Even as fans are still in the stands, we go live. We don't normally don't do that. Normally go to press conferences, then come back out on the field and do it. So we do all that. And I wrap it up, and we get done, and I get out of East Lance, headed back to Detroit, had to go through Ann Arbor, and that was a somber, somber scene. But I go through Ann Arbor, and so I get to Detroit. I got time, and I'm going through security. And luckily, Detroit was not crowded. Airport was not crowded at night. That's why I like to fly out of there same day. And I'm going through TSA, and this is where the story gets a little interesting. So I've still got my CBS shirt on from my postgame hip. And the TSA agent, he recognizes me, I think, and he starts to ask me about the game that day, you know, as he's checking me in and stuff. And then he starts to ask me why I don't talk more NFL. And at first I just kind of, <laughs> but he was serious. He said, no, like, why, why don't you mix in more NFL? I mean, it's the most popular game in the, in the world. Well, it's the most popular game in the country. Why don't you talk more NFL? Like, I think that would be good for your show. And when he started talking about what was good for the show, that's when I go, sideways head tilt on him a little bit and this is where I know I may get myself in trouble because it's at that point that I get pushed you know if you ever played pinball back in the day and you picked up the machine and the tilt alarm went off because you were cheating I have a little tilt alarm inside me and it's not that I go crazy or you know start biting someone's head off or you know biting a trick-or-treater's hand or anything like that but I just kind of lose my sense of what is and isn't smart to do at the time and I was I was on tilt at that point and so I start getting into it, like legitimately getting into it with this TSAA. There's no line behind us or else I wouldn't have bothered because I don't want to be discourteous to people. But there wasn't a line behind us. So me and this TSA agent, I'm talking about we are going at it back and forth. And the other TSA agents, they're watching, but they're not jumping in because I'm not an unruly passenger. I'm not arguing that I don't want to take my belt off. I'm arguing I don't want to talk about Seahawks Jaguars when I could be talking about Mel Tucker and how good he's doing at Michigan State. And this dude just could not wrap his head around the concept that there may be someone out there that just wants to live in the world of college football. He just wants Saturday. He's not interested in the Sunday product. I mean, I watch the NFL when I can, but I'm not interested in covering it. And so we go at it and we go at it. And finally, I start to get into the psychology of mapping a show and creating a content map. And there are a lot of things that it would be boring for me to show you, but I get into it with him on it. And so he never quite grasped it, but I think he was genuinely stunned at the pushback he got. Number one, because he's used to being a TSA agent. So for eight hours a day, he has authority in life. And number two, I just don't think he's ever had anyone push back on him like that. Well, I did. So we arrived not in an agreement, but more an understanding. And so I was very proud to say that I was carrying the flag for all of us through TSA at Detroit, Wayne County International Airport there Saturday night. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily win, but I certainly valiantly fought 
And at the very least, there is a TSA agent in Detroit that will not be pushing back on any of you if you also walk through there and you're representing the show. So congratulations to all of us. Oh, all right. Well, now that we got that out of the way, you know, we got a big night tonight, not just because the Braves are in the World Series, not just because we have Late Kick Live, but we also have the playoff rankings being revealed. Wow. Now that I think about it, it's a really busy sports night, isn't it? So here's what I want to do. I want to take a little time out. We're going to regroup, come back, and I'm going to give you a few thoughts on how these rankings may play out, and then we'll just watch it all together tonight. So I'm not going to take a whole lot of time on this, but we'll do it right after this. Okay, we're back. So the playoff rankings are revealed tonight. I don't get into this for reasons I'm not going to bore you with again. I've already explained this to you. I don't think uh, in all likelihood many of you are interested in watching an hour-long playoff reveal show. I, as you do, understand why it has to happen that way, but I'm not into it. Now, here's what you do need to know. Immediately after they reveal these rankings, we will be going live on Late Kick Live. I mean, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, that's exactly when we time it up. I think that college football is very smart to start this before Late Kick, and I think we all know what's going on there. I mean, let's just be real with ourselves. They schedule it the way they do for a reason, and I won't hear anything else of it, even from TSA. I'm interested in one thing and one thing only tonight. I want to know how Wake Forest compares to Cincinnati. I don't just want to know where one of them is going to be ranked. I don't care where Bama is ranked because they control everything. I don't care where Ohio State or Oklahoma is. They control everything. So if you totally control your own fate, I don't really care where you're ranked tonight. I have an interest in where Oregon is. But mainly, I want to know where Wake is relative to Cincinnati, not just in a bubble. Because I have a belief on this, and I'm in the minority from what I can tell at our company. I believe Wake is this year's G5 team. And I believe Cincinnati will be treated with P5 treatment more so than Wake Forest will. Think about in the past why undefeated G5 teams have not made the playoff. It's been one reason and one reason only. Central Florida in 2017, why didn't they make the playoff? The answer has nothing to do with their quality of team. I've told you my thoughts on this before. That's why I agreed they should be left out. It's not that they weren't good enough to compete. It's that their schedule did not meet the minimum baseline requirement. You have to have a certain strength of schedule or else your quality of team doesn't even matter. That's why I've told you to give the most radical example I can. You could take an NFL team. You could take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you could have them play Central Florida's schedule in 2017 I would not support the Bucs being in the playoff, even though clearly they'd be the best team by 10 miles in college football. Just to give you an idea of how little I care about your quality of team if your schedule doesn't pass the smell test. Well, this year, Wake Forest has a schedule that is not going to pass the smell test. What is their best win? Do you know their best win's Virginia right now? And down the stretch, Clemson may not even be done losing games, first off. Secondly, they've already got multiple losses. This is a high-quality or high-caliber Clemson team. Uh, they've still got to play North Carolina. Look, I think Wake may lose this weekend to North Carolina. I mean, I would pick North Carolina to win the game. So it may be a moot point. But I do want to know before we get to Saturday. Tonight on Tuesday, where are those two teams ranked relative to each other? I'll also have the JP poll tonight for the record. But I want to know where they're going to be ranked relative to each other because I believe that Cincinnati, in enough people's minds is more legitimate. And I think in some people's minds, the schedule since he has played is more legitimate. And I believe that too. I believe the win at Indiana is worth something. 
Like, I believe Indiana may be a little bit better win than people believe. I certainly think them going to Notre Dame and handing Notre Dame their own loss is worth more than anything on Wake's schedule. I believe that. I mean, Notre Dame, I believe, has one loss. And guess who that loss is? If Cincinnati is not on Notre Dame's schedule, Notre Dame's undefeated. They're in the top five. They're in the playoff discussion tonight. That's the only difference. They played Cincinnati. So anyway, what I'm telling you is perception this year, I think for the first time, is going to give benefit of the doubt to a G5 team. And for the record, I don't have a problem with that. Now, I know some people are looking down the rest of the way and saying, well, if Wake stays undefeated, the wins they will have on their resume will bypass whatever whatever uh, Cincinnati has. That may end up being true, but I also think if we cast the mold tonight, if the committee casts the mold tonight, at the very least, it gives Wake something they have to overcome. But if Wake doesn't go undefeated, and since he still is there, it may not just be a Cincy versus Wake comparative analysis down the road. Remember this, you may have Oklahoma lose a game and still win the Big 12, and you may have a one-loss Oklahoma versus an undefeated Cincinnati. And I think that question may be a little hard to answer too because it's not undefeated versus undefeated anymore. And again, in the past, I have not been all about record. You can't be all about record in college ball. You can't be. You got to go deeper than that. But I do believe since he at least gets in the ballpark, I think in the perception and people's minds, they get in the ballpark enough to where they do get treated as an equal to where at that point you do just start talking about record. I think that's going to happen. Some people don't. Some people think G, the G5 will always be shut out. I don't know if that's been the case. I believe the schedule has been shut out. So maybe since the schedule ends up not passing the smell test any more than past G5 teams have, we'll see. I just don't think it's apples to apples. So I'm looking forward to that tonight. Uh, we've also got Late Kick Live tonight. So it's a busy night. So make sure you're tuned in for that. We will be live 8 Eastern, 7 Central. Also, here's a, just a stunning stat. 81% of our viewers on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, Late Kick Live, 81% of them in October were not subscribed to the channel. And I don't know how more plainly I can tell you guys, that is how we keep the show free. That is how we do it. I don't get necessarily anything when you subscribe to the channel, but you do. I mean, it just looks like a fancy number to me. So the best way that we can maintain status quo around here is growing numbers. Because that keeps management off our back and that keeps management from reaching in and fiddling with this and fooling around with that. So just make sure it's free. It doesn't cost you a thing. Make sure you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel and then make sure you're leaving five-star reviews on this podcast. Those two things alone help us a ton. And a lot of you have already done that. So I'm preaching to a choir here, but I know there are some of you on the back pews that just walked in and we welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. Feel free to sit in the front if you want to. Just make sure that you drop something the offering plate that's not money. It's a five-star review and a subscription on the YouTube channel. That's it. That's all. Put your wallet away and just get your little clicker finger. That's all we need. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in and making this an incredible success that we've had in a little under two years. Thank you so much. We will see you later tonight. For producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Take care. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless.